Welcome to the Before You Buy or Sell a Business podcast, where we help buyers and sellers learn more about the acquisition process, discuss recent transactions, and stay up to date on the latest news in the market. Here's your host, Jared Johnson. All right, so I'm very excited about the show today. I have Keith Kahn. I'm out here in Redlands, California, so thanks, Keith, for coming on the show. Good to be here. All right, so you're a very special case here because we have somebody who's acquired a business, actually several businesses, actually sold one, so we've got a lot to unpack. Uh, We've already kind of started going on with it, but uh, maybe first you could give us a little bit of a background on kind of how you got to this point, what you were doing before you acquired your first business. Sure. Well, my family has been in the food service business for probably the last uh, 50 to 60 years now, um, the majority of that on the business and industry side. So when I graduated uh, from college, I went to work for my dad, and we had a company that, again, provided uh, food service for business and industries. So we did the catering trucks, the mobile lunch trucks. We did vending. Uh, we did uh, company picnics and party catering. Uh, we did coffee service. Almost anything that a business would need for their employees, food service-wise, we could handle. Uh, we ended up selling that business uh, in 2013 and uh, ended up, at that time, it was, how was it? We owned the, that business for a little over 40 years and uh, didn't really know what we were going to do next. Um, but uh, did find uh, this local restaurant in Redlands for sale. And we had actually eaten there, of course, as customers before and thought, my wife and I thought, uh, if, if this restaurant or something like this ever came up for sale, we would have to take a, 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 you know, a deep look at it because um, it just felt great being home, uh, our hometown. Um, uh, at that, uh, that point, the, the restaurant that we were eating at sat about 50 people. And uh, lo and behold, um, that restaurant eventually came up for sale and we ended up buying it in 2014. Great. Yeah. So, uh, you know, being in the food service business is kind of something that I think you would almost say is a requirement for wanting to own and operate a restaurant. I feel like a lot of people kind of have a great idea of, oh, I could make this or I could make that or my lasagna is amazing. I should open a restaurant. And, you know, being somebody like yourself that has been very successful in the restaurant world, you could probably tell them it couldn't be any further from the truth. Uh, You really need to understand so many different aspects of the restaurant world. So obviously you had that experience. So it kind of made sense for you to to make that leap and, and buy a restaurant that was, you know, had a good reputation, was a good family type business. So um, you bought that. What year did you say it was again? 2014. Okay, so it's been a little while. Um, so, what were the, you know, the terms on that? Like, did you have a, you know, a good back and forth negotiation? Did you disagree on uh, a certain number, and and you were good to go? Uh, at that one, that was somewhat of an unusual. I think, uh, negotiation process in that uh, the owner had a set figure in mind and was pretty clear from the first time that we got together. If we didn't want to pay that amount, she was going to keep the restaurant and not sell it. Uh, she told us that she did have a buyer uh, several months earlier who had agreed to that price and then uh, dropped out during the escrow process. Mm. Um, but that number was important to her uh, for what she needed to net uh, after selling the restaurant. Uh, and after you know reviewing all the financials, uh, it was a fair amount. 
um, at the time, she also ended up uh, carrying the note for us. So we ended up putting uh, 20% down, and she carried the note for us at a reasonable interest rate uh, for five years. Wow. Yeah, you don't have a lot of people that are willing to carry, you know, 80%. So probably also goes a little bit towards them, you know, believing in you that you were going to take it and do the right thing with it. I think so. Uh, She didn't do any substantial credit checks or background checks. I think we just had a pretty good feel for each other after meeting together several times over the course of a month. Wow. So, I mean, it's safe to say she was right. (laughs) You know, Um, having known you for a while, I can say you're probably one of the best restaurant owners I've ever met. So thank you. um, Okay. So obviously there was no broker involved. There was no loan involved. You know, I know the, when it came to the transfer, um, I believe some of her family stayed on. Um, So maybe talk a little bit about that. They did. And I think depending on the particular restaurant purchase, uh, of course, that can be a negative, but in our case, it was a positive. Uh, she had twin boys. Uh, one was really strong in the back of the house. He was a great cook, enjoyed being uh, in the back, um, just cooking. The other one was much more personable, much more people-oriented, and knew everything about the front of the house, uh, and including he actually served uh, one or two days a week for us. Um, but he would actually manage for us as well a couple of days a week. So keeping both of them on board for us at that time was really critical and and, uh, instrumental in our initial success. So there wasn't any, uh, you know, kind of sometimes I guess maybe what I would ask is you see people that get a little nervous when a child or a family member stays on with the business that sometimes it can cause a little bit of friction. Um, Somebody's used to seeing how a business was ran by their parent or, you know, one of their family members and then they go, oh, no, someone else is coming in here and they're going to change it and everything. Was there any of that or was it pretty smooth? I would say overall it was fairly smooth. Uh, But after about a little over a year, uh, uh, actually just a little before our one-year anniversary, one of the brothers left uh, and ended up moving out of state. Um, The second brother stayed with us and about three, four months later um, approached his mom and asked her if she'd be willing to maybe start a new restaurant up and give it a shot. And I think that he did find out after your, even though I think he would tell you that he enjoyed working for us or with us, it wasn't the same as it Mm. was when it was his family restaurant. And so he and his mom did decide to open another restaurant just outside of our non-compete window and, uh, and try it again. Okay, so that brings up a, a very good topic to discuss. You know, so uh, typically in an acquisition, you will have uh, some some form of a non compete. Uh, typically, it'll be for a certain number of years, and then a certain mile radius, or maybe it'll be a county or a state. Um, so, how, do you remember like how long it was for, and how and the distance that it was? Ours was three years and ten miles. Okay, and so they happened to open up their new restaurant. It was a year and a half only after we bought the business, but it was uh, 12 miles away. Okay. So they were outside of the non-compete area. And I think that's a critical thing in the, in the buying process, is to really um, understand the seller's motivation. And um, in, in my case, the seller spent quite a few uh, conversations, and really I would say quite a few hours Uh, convincing us that she would never go back into the restaurant business again. She'd been a server for 25 years and a restaurant owner for another eight years, and she was ready for something different. And really, for her, it was going to be retirement. Um, That It it, uh, ended up not being the case. Um, Her 
commitment to her kids turned out to be more important than you know her commitment to herself. But I think something super critical to uh, make sure that you're comfortable um, with that um, portion of it in the in the buying selling process. Okay, yeah, that's some great advice. So if you could go back and do it again, would you have done it for both a longer period and a further distance? Or what? let me talk about that. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, in our case, as, as I, we mentioned just before we got started here, um, in our case, even though they opened up another restaurant, um, it really didn't affect us. And so for that, I can be grateful. But had I uh, had I done it over again, yes, I would have done it for, I would have probably gone five years, at least maybe 15, even 20 miles. Um, I, uh, I had, uh, while we had uh, owned, and we still do, uh, own Carolyn's, I had explored uh, buying another restaurant um, different than Annie's. And in that one, they were offering, uh, they were offering a hundred mile non-compete. Wow. And so, uh, so that was surprising to me that somebody would be offering that in the sales process but yeah i know that that would have uh that's that's pretty far distance especially in southern california which is very dense um you could have you know a a restaurant like like yours you know so so this was about 12 miles away Mm -hmm. um almost the same concept yeah oh same they they use the uh, 90 percent of the menu was the same wow so was there any restrictions on that in the non-compete or was it just a plain and simple restaurant 10 miles away correct okay yeah so maybe that'd be something else that you could say is it you know your menu is essentially proprietary at that point and you wouldn't want somebody to to kind of use the exact same menu exactly and i think even in this case i think that had we have asked at the time she would have been willing to put that into the contract and by the way one, let me make one correction she did have a broker Oh, okay. Um, so on the, she had a the broker, original transaction. On the okay. original transaction. So um, of course that person got paid their their broker fee, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know walked us through the escrow process. Again, she happened to carry the note, but um, uh, that's something that I think um, my wife and I were so convinced that she was at that time she was a hundred percent convinced she would never go back in the business, and I think that had we have said. Um, hey, let's do five years, fifty miles. I think she would. She would have said, "Put five hundred miles because it's not going to matter, right? <laughs> right?" At the time, yeah. And so I think some of that is wise to put in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it, at least you have that covered. Um, I'd say, but, but I and that's why I was saying earlier is some of this as a buyer, you need to think past what that person is saying because in her case as i said i think she was 100 percent genuine that she was never going back in the restaurant business but a year and a half later lo and behold yeah from from working with so many you know restaurant owners i will say that it's in your blood um and what i kind of see is successful restaurant owners kind of can't get away from it um which is always a good thing you know i mean there's a reason that restaurants are successful and it's not just the food majority of the time it is the individual operating the business so um you know, and then of course having kids, you know, the the biggest thing in our lives, you know, so if they come along and say, Hey, can we open another one? It's a little hard to say no, especially when you, you love being able to. And, and I remember, um, she was very good about coming around, talking to people at the tables. Obviously you are as well, but that was something I think she have heavily focused on. And so she probably missed a little bit of that too, I would assume. So again, yeah. thinking, 
like you're saying, thinking, you know, kind of broadly, what could go wrong here or what um, could uh, actually happen? No matter how bad someone says that they're done and they don't want to do this anymore, it's like, fine, okay, let's put it in writing. As a buyer, that's what I would say, is think that through. And, you know, one of the things... um, uh, uh, I worked with my dad for uh, 30 of the 40 years that we owned our previous family business. And my dad sometimes could be a challenge as dads and sons <laughs> in the family business. And one of the things I discovered uh, one time um, doing a management profile was um, uh, my dad uh, would look at 95% of what could go wrong before he would ever review the 5% that could go right. And I found myself very often on the opposite side of that. I would be trying to convince him of the 95% of Mm -hmm. what could go right, and many times ignoring the 5% that could go wrong. But I would say, uh, and I did uh, told my, told I was able to tell my dad that before he passed was that was one of the most valuable lessons he ever gave to me was to be able to look at those kind of situations with a critical eye. And I think as a buyer, I think it's just critical um, to look at what could go wrong. Yeah, it's so funny how the older we get, the more we realize what our parents kind of taught us. And a lot of it, maybe they didn't do on purpose. I mean, my dad was always more of saying, "Okay, convince me." you know, kind of similar with you, which I think turns you into uh, more of an optimistic salesperson at the end of the day, because you're, you're constantly trying to, you know, explain to your parents why you could, you should have something happen or get something done. Whereas, you know, most of our parents were fairly conservative, mm-hmm. um, really trying to make sure they were protecting us as, as, you know, parents and as a family. And so we're sitting there trying to figure out how to get them on the other side of it. So very interesting um, when you, when you kind of unpack a lot of that. So, but let's be clear. So the, the non-compete was there. They went just far enough away. Now, did it affect your business at all? Thankfully, it did not. Um, uh, they opened in uh, November of 2016, and so we'd owned the restaurant for almost, uh, well, actually, uh, it was actually November 2015, because we had not even owned the restaurant for two years yet. And that particular month was our best month in our brief time of owning the restaurant. So thankfully, it didn't affect us. It was more emotional, mm-hmm. and it just felt like it was more uh, it was more emotionally painful, thankfully, than it was uh, affecting our business. Yeah. Did it uh, cause you, it, I mean, did you pay enough attention to it where it frustrated you, or did it make you... want to work even harder? Um, You know, how did it kind of affect you emotionally? Yeah, I would say that um, we were still in the ramping up stage as far as our um, time of ownership. We were still working on our systems. We were still trying to, you know, always be better every single day. But I think it probably did motivate us to make sure that we were doing the Mm -hmm. best that we could from a customer service standpoint, from a quality food standpoint. Um, Because as you mentioned, she was outstanding in the front of the house. And that was the main motivation, uh, I think, for customers to come to the restaurant when she owned it. And so there was that concern that um, that some of our customers would miss her enough to make that 12-mile drive rather than, you know, stay home and, you know, come and see us in Redlands. Uh, but again, thankfully, um, that, that never materialized. 
Yeah. So you kept the business going. You obviously improved. Um, if I recall correctly, you improved the margins. Um, you know, maybe talk about that real quick. We did. And so, uh, again, um, when we took over the restaurant, uh, we were doing, and I'll share numbers. We were doing, okay. uh, we, we purchased uh, the business doing about 900000 uh, uh, for the previous year. Uh, we moved from that small location to our current location, went from 50 seats to 110 seats. And our last year uh, at our previous location, we had taken the sales from 900000 to 1.2. And that's without adding any tables. That's correct. Right. That was so, just strictly um, running the restaurant more efficiently. Yeah. So it's a, what's that, about 25% increase in revenue. Exactly. Yeah, just, just by being more efficient. Yeah. So, And when one of the things, too, and this is what I would say as a buyer, um, one of the things that, that I was able to do was take everything that the previous owner was doing well and, of course, keep that and then add my expertise um, to the restaurant as well. And so that definitely, kind of the combination of the two, um, uh, helped to, you know, of course, uh, see a, a pretty substantial increase in sales. So at our new location, as I mentioned, uh, when we moved in here, we uh, we sat 110 people. Uh, during COVID, we added outdoor dining. So now we seat closer to 140, and our sales are uh, almost quadruple of what we purchased originally. Wow. So we've just seen, again, a substantial increase in sales. And what's, and what's the square? So, so just to give everybody a little bit of reference, we're actually sitting in the restaurant right now. So, uh, you know, a great place to to uh, talk about this is makes it a little more real. Um, so, what is the actual square footage then from the old place to the new one? The old place was fifteen hundred square feet. Uh, the new one is three thousand square feet. Um, uh, the old location we had thirteen tables inside. At the new location, we have twenty five tables inside plus eleven tables outside. So you so you obviously more than doubled the you know the ability. Uh, to to you know obtain the revenue based on the table turns and everything, but not only that, you you more than doubled the revenue, so it made sense. You know, you, you kept working at the craft and we kept did. getting good. Yeah, yeah. so um, you know, I I think uh, it was funny. I I told my wife I was coming here to sit down with you, and she said, "Bring me back some coffee cake." Right, right. <laughs> so yeah. I said, "I wish I could." Um, but yeah, you you often have a line um, around the corner out the door. So um, you've obviously done a, a great job. What do you think was the hardest part of the acquisition? I would say um, the initial acquisition, honestly, was wasn't. I wouldn't. I, as I think back to that, it wasn't difficult. It wasn't challenging. And I think one of the reasons was because they, we felt like the seller was so sincere. Hmm. She had done a great job. Um, she was ready to at least have some time off. Obviously, not fully retire, but at least have some time off. And um, as we uh, came to the restaurant a good six, seven, eight times as you know, secret shoppers. Uh, this was during the negotiation time, but of course she hadn't shared with any of the employees yet. And we came and just watched the operation. Each time we came, we were just more and more convinced that this was a well-run restaurant that we could add value to. And so I guess I would say at that one, there really wasn't a lot of, um, you know, fear and trepidation. It felt very comfortable. Um, and we were ready for our next challenge after selling our family business for so long. And in that business I had siblings that were involved in this business it was just going to be my wife and I and our two daughters and so there was more excitement 
than there was, um, you know, fear and trepidation. Um, my dad had passed. Uh, mm-hmm. he'd, he'd passed in 2005. He bought the restaurant in 2014. So I didn't get the opportunity to hear from him, of course, all the things that could have gone wrong. <laughs> oh, um, but I did have a consultant actually come in, uh, somebody that I've worked with uh, unofficially for the last probably 20, 25 years. He came in the restaurant one day and just literally sat from almost morning till close and wrote me a little two-page document and at the end said, you know, basically, I'm paraphrasing, you're an idiot if you don't do this, right? <laughs> and so so it, th- that part was actually pretty comfortable for us at the time. The, the much bigger challenge was when we moved from our whole location to this new location, um, spent, you know, several hundred thousand dollars on the uh, tenant improvements mm-hmm. and wondered, you know, are we going to lose um, our, you know, our specialness? At our old location, again, we only sat 50 people. We'd had 45-minute waits literally seven days a week, and we wondered by moving only two miles away, were we going to lose that, lose the buzz um, at the new location? And I think the combination of just that concern and the amount of dollars at the time that we had to put into the tenant improvements, that was much more stressful than the actual original um, purchase. Yeah, so it, it, you know, there, you had a, a reason to be nervous, but um, you, know, you, you caught your dad's 5% and you were yeah. okay. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So obviously, you know, Carolyn's is doing phenomenal. Um, we're still busy, still, uh, you know, cranking out coffee cake. And, um, I know you shared with me before you had now the ability to kind of check in on, on the way there is normally there's lines out the door. So obviously business is doing great. Um, you decided to now kind of get the itch to buy another business. So what, what year was it that you acquired, um, Annie's, right? Is what it was called. Right. So, uh, yeah. So probably, uh, we'd own Carolyn's about four or five years when that kind of itch came. And I wondered, could we duplicate in another location what we had um, accomplished at our original location here in Redlands? And so we looked, I probably looked at a good um, 10, maybe 15 different opportunities, and uh, none of those really seemed to be the one. Uh, finally found this one in, uh, in uh, Lake Elsinore called mm-hmm. Annie's Cafe, and the owner had two locations, one that she and her husband operated, and a second location 15 miles away in Temecula that her in-laws owned and operated. And uh, she did want to sell both of them, but we were just interested in the Lake Elsinore, which was uh, the one that was uh, had higher sales. The restaurant was in better shape. And uh, again, being a secret shopper at both locations, we felt much more comfortable with the staff at the Lake Elsinore location than we did at the Temecula location. And just to give a little context, how far is Lake Elsinore away from Redlands? It's an hour. It's okay. an hour drive. Right. Um, so that was, the, that was the initial negative. And again, that'd be another thing, uh, especially in, in our particular situation. We had such a great reputation at Carolyn's. Um, we probably have a good, I would say, you know, five to 10 mile circle around our restaurant that we just have a solid base of customers. In Lake Elsinore, uh, very few people had heard of Carolyn's Cafe. And that was the one thing that we learned early on was if we ever did decide that we'd want a third restaurant or 
a, another restaurant, we would definitely want it closer to this one so we could kind of take it, take more advantage of our reputation. Yeah, I think it also makes sense that to do that because you're able to be there more often. You know, um, same thing as when Carolyn had it, right? When you're up here in the front of the house making sure everyone's doing what they're supposed to do, saying hello to your frequent customers, mm-hmm. people love that, you know, and, and it helps you keep an eye on it. I would say... From my experience, some of the best restaurant owners I've seen are, are they're very active in the business. They're there paying attention to what's going on, keeping an eye on everything. And, uh, you know, you do a great job with that. So being an hour away, that was probably one of the biggest challenges. But obviously you moved forward. Um, did they have a broker that they used? They did. Okay. So when you... Did you reach out to them first and and talk to them about uh, you know the the opportunity to acquire the business? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, as far as uh, the negotiations, how did that go on that one? Yeah, that was probably um, a little more challenging than uh, our acquisition of Carolyn's. First of all, they wanted quite a bit more money for their restaurant, <laughs> uh, and I would say that the numbers. The numbers, again, percentage-wise, were about the same. Um, They were looking for about two and a half times um, net income to owner, as was our original acquisition. That was pretty close. Mm -hmm. So that part was uh, was relative. Um, But the sales, of course, were much greater by the time uh, we looked at Annie's. But there again, as a buyer, I think think in that case, I felt like our original seller, when we bought Carolyn's in 2014, was quite honestly much more much more genuine than our Mm. uh, seller was when we bought Annie's. And I've learned that over the course of time. We owned that restaurant for two and a half years, and we actually uh, sold it. And uh, November 30th of 2022 was our one-year anniversary of selling uh, Annie's Cafe. Ah, okay. Yeah, so, all right, so when you you acquired Annie's, um, you know, the, how did that go as far as, what did you do as far as the terms go? How much did you put down? Did you borrow? You know, did you have a non-compete? Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. how did all that go? Yeah. So on that one, we put ten percent down, and we finance the balance through the SBA. Okay. Um, did the seller carry any of the? The seller financing? did not carry okay. any. Uh, that one, we the financing was seven years. Actually, I, I uh, let me correct that. We actually um, used a, a local bank on that and took advantage. Mm-hmm. And I should know this, um, but the California equivalent of the SBA program. Okay, yeah, so the state guarantee program. The state program. guarantee, thank you. Yeah, so and some so, states have uh, a similar loan program to the SBA um, with with a little bit different terms, um, different guidelines. Sometimes it makes more sense than, than using the SBA. So in this case, um, if I recall correctly, at a pretty good interest rate, uh, and it was, it, you know, just kind of made more sense for you than it doing a, it was, an SBA It was loan. a couple points lower than the SBA, and uh, the the good news, bad news was it was seven-year term. And because it was our second restaurant, that was actually a plus for us because we were we actually would have wanted to pay that off sooner. Mm-hmm. The goal there was to be able to own that for at least the full seven years, pay off the loan, and hopefully have positive cash flow for the first seven years, but then be able to really take advantage of the cash flow after year seven. Right. It just didn't turn out that way. Yeah, cash flow without debt service is usually a little a little better, right? A little easier to stomach. So, okay, so you you did it ninety percent, no seller carry. How did it go the first thirty, sixty, ninety days when you when you got in there? Was it everything you thought it was going to be? Were you able to convert it to Carolyn's? How did that go? Right. Um, it 
uh, it actually didn't go very well. The first 90 days were really challenging. We took over on April 1st of 2019. And um, by, uh, well, the first couple months were just rough from a staffing standpoint. We did have um, some of our original staff um, leave pretty quickly. Um, And I would say that uh, of the first five people that left, um, we were really happy about four of them leaving. Um, (laughs) They just weren't good fits for us. Kind of worked itself out. It kind of worked itself out, but it still made uh, replacing them a challenge just because we were fairly new to that particular restaurant. And then by July, uh, it uh, was over 100 degrees, probably probably average 110 degrees for probably the entire month of July that particular year. And uh, we had an outdoor patio there. And so needless to say, the outdoor dining just uh, went away for a month. And so we just saw a pretty significant dip in business there. Um, A second part that was challenging was part of the sale included uh, some offsite catering that we did through Annie's for a local rehabilitation center. And they had a total of 35 beds. Well, when we started, all 35 beds were filled. And so we were getting 35 orders a day for uh, breakfast, lunch, and then uh, a couple days a week they would do dinner. And by July, they were down to like five patients. And so that the, the combination of the heat and mm-hmm. the rehab center emptying out really affected um, our business. Wow. Yeah. So at that point, were you uh, kind of scrambling, pulling your hair out, thinking, I made a huge mistake? Uh, what, what did you do? Sure. Uh, yeah, that, that definitely went through my mind. Um, but uh, it, it also caused me to have to spend more time there, at least early on. My original plan was to be there uh, one to two days a week, be a semi-absentee owner, be there enough so the employees knew who I was, of course, wanting to meet some of the regular customers. But the previous owner uh, had a daughter that worked there, uh, and so she was there on a full-time basis, but the actual previous owner had gotten down to that same one or two days a week in that particular um, restaurant. So that was the goal. So when things started to slow down, I had to spend more time there. So I was probably there three or four days a week uh, during probably the first six to nine months. And then things started to stabilize. The rehab center came back a little bit. Um, Our sales picked up slightly, but still uh, not quite to the numbers that were on the P&Ls when we bought the restaurant. Wow. So you obviously had to take time away from Carolyn's to be able to do that. Did you see any effect at Carolyn's? Did any of the sales drop not being here at Carolyn's and spending your time kind of clog your way out of the hole right, right. <laughs> at Annie's. Yeah, thankfully, no. Thankfully, Great. Carolyn's, um, we are just so grateful uh, about our business here and our customers and our, uh, our and our staff. They really, just the combination um, has just made it just a an amazing situation for my wife and I and our family. Um, it, you know, I, I, nothing's bulletproof. Um, you know, COVID kind of taught us that. Um, but Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about yeah. next because it sounds like when you bought Annie's uh, was mm, roughly 11 months before COVID kind of really hit, maybe a year. So it sounds like you kind of got the train back on the tracks mm-hmm. and then COVID came along. So, you know, maybe talk to us about that. That was exactly it. So uh, again, it was one of these, as I look back, I just, I do, I shake my head. Um, by the time, uh, again, we bought it in April um, of 2019, February 2020, 
we finally hit the the sales numbers and the net income numbers that oh we had gosh. purchased from the P&L <laughs> and thought, just as you mentioned. And one of the changes we did, as, as you mentioned, you know, we, we introduced our signature coffee cake there. We introduced by that time probably a good eight, eight to 10 of our menu items here we introduced there and we had finally seen some traction and here we were um, February our best month to date and just you know getting ready to go and the first two weeks of March if if you think back to then we were starting getting some of the information about COVID but still didn't realize how yeah. serious it was going to become until uh, March 19th um, 2020 when the governor um, you know shut us down um, so that was that was a, a a real punch in the gut. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you had just gotten up from the <laughs> original punch and then took another one. So exactly, that's pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. one thing I, I wanted to back up real quick. If I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong. When you bought Annie's, they kind of had like a little a theme to the restaurant, and you kind of had to to figure out what you want to do with that. And I and I remember you and I having a conversation and thinking it was kind of funny. So maybe you could talk about that real sure. quick. So the one thing you mentioned, and both restaurants, both Carolyn's, was very Carolyn-centric, the original owner. She was, and she still is, the most amazing front-of-the-house owner I have ever met. Um, she's fantastic. Genuine, um, real, authentic. Uh, I remember um, when we had our training period, and people had found out that the restaurant had sold. I just can't tell you how many customers came in, not to eat, just strictly to say goodbye to her. Wow. And when that person would leave, she would tell me like their life story. She just knew these people inside and out. Well, the same thing was true at Annie's. Um, the restaurant owner there had owned that location for uh, something like 18 years. And even though she was much different than Carolyn, she still um, uh, was endeared by her her loyal customers. And uh, so she happened to be British. And she was kind of um, out there. She was kind of body and out there and not a lot of filters. And the couple things they did that were different than we'd seen at almost any restaurant is just about once an hour, um, you'd be in there having a meal and the lights would go out. And there'd be about a 10 second pause and you wondered, did the lights go out or, and then this music would start up and they would actually do a choreographed dance. The servers would get up there and dance. And I would say that the majority of the customers really loved it. They felt entertained and they felt like it was special and different. And there were some customers that didn't care for it. And I would honestly tell you that my wife and I were probably on that side that we had planned on stopping the dancing. And when we waited for a few months before we approached our senior s staff and said, hey, we're thinking about it. And I was truly amazed and shocked that they just said, you can't do that. You, if you want to reduce it a little bit, we can probably get away with that. But people come here for the dancing. And then one other little silly thing they did was, um, if you were a first-time guest, they had these silly hats, and they would bring a silly hat to the table, and they would introduce you. And they would say, guys, can I get your attention? This is Jared, and this is his first time at Annie's. Can we give him a warm Annie's welcome? And the whole restaurant would clap and welcome <laughs> wow. Jared. And so then they would tell you that, hey, you have to wear this hat, this silly hat, the whole time you're in here. And um, if you do, we'll do a dance for you. And if you take it off, you have to come dance for us. 
Oh and my gosh. so again, I would say again, three quarters of the customers you do that they loved it, and of course, people would bring first time uh, guests to the restaurant just so they would get embarrassed like they did whenever <laughs> it was their first time. Um, and uh, thankfully, uh, COVID allowed us to get rid of the silly hats, um, so that that uh, that tradition went away. But the dancing is still going strong at Annie's Blake Elsinore. <laughs> That's. That's a great story. I knew I knew I had to get that out of you. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. So, okay. So, COVID hit, rough time. What'd you do? Yeah. Um, at Annie's, um, we just basically cut back to the uh, to the bare minimum staff that we possibly could. That restaurant actually went. Uh, we were we were cash flowing there uh, even after making our uh, our guarantee payment, our loan payment, um, but not by much. We were positive, but not not. Um, not as much as we expected to be, even after the payment. During COVID, we actually went in the red. Mm. So that was challenging, and we didn't know how long that was going to last for. But we were committed. We had a loan. We had a lease. Um, Somehow, we're going to have to make that work. And I think all of us at the time didn't know how long that was going to be. Especially in the restaurant world. Exactly, right? At Carolyn's... um, Again, April, you remember, again, it was March 19th, um, 2020, when we got the word. I don't think you'll ever forget that. Right? <laughs> um, and um, so the month of April was just a total um, you know, crapshoot. We had no idea what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember, quite honestly, what our numbers were from there. But um, we happened to take advantage of a federal program that came out during that time uh, called Great Plates Delivered. And so we were actually, through Annie's and through Carolyn's, we were able to deliver seals to, uh, meals to seniors for uh, over a year. Wow. And that, um, so that helped at least get Annie's from the red back to, back to the black, which is all we were hoping for. We were able to pay our loan and, and have, you know, be in the black, yeah, break right? In. Yeah, break even, have a little little left. Exactly. Yeah, at, Carolyn's, at Carolyn's, um, by the time uh, we were able to do some, uh, we were able to, do, to go sales, and by the time we were able to add outdoor seating, we actually were doing about 50% of our regular business. And we were probably about 50 to 75% of our net income. And so the combination of again doing very well here from a to-go, um, you know, business standpoint, and um, th- there was a time there. There was about a three-month period there where our overall sales um, in the restaurant were fifty percent, but our coffee cake sales were at a hundred percent of normal. Oh wow! So selling that much coffee cake, and and again, we had so many customers come in and say, I, you know, I'm just buying coffee cake because I want you guys to make it. So it was just so gratifying to see these people come in and buying one, two. We had uh, one of the local credit unions was Arrowhead Credit Union, and they did this to a lot of their um, uh, customers in the cities where they have branches. But they would come and buy eight, ten, twelve cakes at a time, and take them to the police um, stations, take them to the fire stations, um, and they would do that not only to bless the firemen and the and the, the the police but also to to bless small businesses so they were again just one of those they would just give you hope when they would come right. in and rally behind you yeah it wouldn't doesn't sound like much a two or three hundred dollar sale um but it would just it would just be it was so again gratifying heartwarming encouraging so we had a lot of that during covid yeah it's great yeah it was a it was a rough time it was weird i, I felt like everyone kept thinking Oh, next month we'll be fine. Next month we'll be fine. Next month we'll be fine. And I mean, there's still even businesses right now that are still kind of struggling from from some of that backlash. Um, so, 
you know, through COVID, you you kind of again figured out a way to to get on the other side of the the ninety five percent. So <laughs> right. you uh, you figured it out. You got to a point where you were a little above break even. Um, at what point did you start thinking about wanting to sell Annie's? Yeah, I think there were a number of factors in there. One, quite honestly, was my age. I remember um, sitting at the at our dining room table one day. The mail came. And I kind of held up my two fingers, and I was holding uh, my Medicare card. And I told my wife, I said, you know, I think something needs to change this year. (laughs) And that was probably the tipping point of deciding that. With Annie's, again, COVID was such a challenge there. We had an older clientele there. Mm -hmm. Um, They were much more, um, they were much less mobile. And they, uh, at Carolyn's, um, again, our to-go business quadrupled during COVID. At Annie's, it didn't even double. Oh, wow. Um, and so the, the people, even though um, they were, I think as a whole, they were less COVID concerned, mm-hmm. but they, didn't, they just didn't leave their house. At Carolyn's, it felt like in the Redlands area, people still kind of went about their business as normally as they possibly could, given the restrictions. In the Lake Elsinore area, they just, they stayed home. They just became, you know, homebound. So that was the the huge challenge. The second challenge there was staffing. Most restaurants, if you remember when COVID and some of the restrictions started to be lifted, almost every single restaurant you would pass had a help wanted sign out. Yeah. And uh, Carolyn's was was no different. Um, But in in the Lake Elsinore area, people just did not want to come back to work. At Redlands, um, we responded back pretty quickly and got our got back to full staffing fairly quickly without a lot of pain it in Lake Elsinore it just was not the case so we were always on the the edge of staffing there and it seemed like we would just get someone trained and then someone would leave mm. we would just get someone hired and someone would quit we would hire what we thought was the perfect candidate and two days later they didn't show up for work and so oh. that kept happening and then you add the supply chain um, issues with that. Every single week, it was something. And it was not consistent. One week, it'd be styrofoam cups. The next week, it'd be turkey. The next week, it'd be eggs. The next week, fill in the blank. And uh, having the supply chain issues at both restaurants, it, you know, even though there's only two of them, it felt instead of you know, one plus one equals two, it felt like three times three equals nine. It just felt like it was just, some of that just became a little overwhelming. So the combination of the staffing um, and the supply chain and the commute just got the point where um, we just um, made the decision. And and the age and family, you know, uh, just lifestyle was saying that, you know, this this is, is not worked out like we had hoped and um, we need we, we need to and want to make a change. So it kind of all compounded and then you just said, you know, it's time to to focus on one thing rather than two. I think you know you probably also add in the hour drive each way. Yes, um, <clears throat> not being able to just kind of pop in there with from here you're what five minutes away. You can exactly come on down if you need to, and you know that 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 adds to it. You know, sitting on the sitting on the freeway for an hour each way is never fun, especially when you're already you know dealing with so much frustration when you actually get there. So, yeah. so you decided it was time to sell kind of made that decision in your, in your mind. I'm sure you talked to your wife about it and you guys were ready to do it. So, uh, you know, once you decided to, to get it out there, what, what did you do? What was the process of, of getting it listed sure. for sale? Well, one of the things that I've been very fortunate is um, over the course of time, I have found that there are certain uh, 
resources, certain people that have you know come into my sphere of influence that have become valuable resources for me. And quite honestly, you were one of those guys. And so you you know that you know from the time we bought Carolyn's till the time we sold Annie's. I mean, I have probably contacted you, I don't know, 15, 20, 25 <laughs> times, and you've been so gracious in taking every one of my calls. Um, you've reviewed financials for me, and you know, and and people like you have been invaluable to me along the way. And that, that was true when we decided to sell Annie's, is I contacted you um, for a broker reference. And um, you know, a natural question would have been, why didn't I use the broker that was involved in Annie's in the first place? And I would tell you, I didn't have a great experience with him. Mm. Um, there were several different episodes during the, the sale and negotiation process where I didn't feel like I was getting the straight story. And I felt like I was being um, uh, kind of pushed and even bullied to make, mm. this, uh, to make this purchase, and it wasn't comfortable. And so when we made the decision to sell Annie's, I wanted something different in the in somebody that was representing me. And you connected me with Todd Bell, and mm-hmm. he did a fantastic job for us. And that was really the start of that process, was being comfortable with someone who was going to list and, and represent me in the sale process. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I appreciate what what you said. It's kind of funny every time I see you calling, I I actually get a little excited. I'm like, okay, what what does he got today? What does he want to talk about? You know, usually we have some pretty good conversations, and you know, I I really enjoy helping you because you you do such a good job. Um, I respect how hard you work, and anytime you need something, I'm always happy to help because you know I know it's it, it makes sense and it's worthwhile. So okay, so you got worked with Todd does does an amazing job. I was glad we were able to connect the two of you. Um, and then from there, I know he got you kind of ready, figured out a, a price. Um, did you, was there any kind of negotiation or back and forth on what he wanted to list it for and what you what you ultimately listed it for? No, I think I had a number in mind um, that, uh, at least in my mind, was going to be a minimum. Mm-hmm. And based on the uh, financial information, the number that he recommended listing it at was actually higher than that. So, of course, that was, you know, that yeah. was good news. That, that was doesn't happen news. often. <laughs> it doesn't. So, I was, yeah, that, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, he, I feel like that's a lot of what uh, the brokers have to have to deal with is a seller comes up with, um, you know, a, a valuation in their head. And sometimes I wonder where, where they pull it from. Um, I think I can blame Shark Tank half the time um, for coming up with a, a multiple based off of revenue rather than, you know, discretionary earnings and so on. So, um, you know, having a good broker that understands how to value it, you know, makes sense. So um, I'm sure that was a little bit of a relief for you that it was a little higher than what you thought. So it was. So once you um, came to terms with that, got it listed, how long did it take? Um, I, I know there was you know, I mean, we can walk through kind of the, the buyer that you ended up with, sure. but um, did you have other offers? Were there other people interested? We did. We had really, I'd say, a total of three people that I would say took more than the initial step, more than just an initial phone call, that they requested financials, and they um, came back with a series of questions based mm. on the financials. Okay. And you ultimately um, decided on one individual. Um so maybe walk through a little bit of that. Yeah. I, I don't remember off the top of my head what the the offer ended up being compared sure. to the sale. Yeah, price. we ended up. Yeah, we did end up taking. I'll call it significantly less. Um, we had it listed for just under a million. I think it was 
I want to say 975, I think is what we had it listed for. And we ended up selling it for 800,000. Mm. So that was quite a discount mm -hmm. from um, what we had, um, what we had listed it for. But it was, it was, that was right about the number that we were looking for on, on a minimum, knowing what we would net um, from selling it for that amount. So, um, so even though I was on the one hand disappointed that we only got 800,000, that really was the close enough to the original number that, um, yeah. What can I say, right? So maybe you were right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, maybe it was right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and there, and, um, again, is, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I was, again, grateful when the, when the original number, you know, was so much higher than what I thought. And of course, that maybe gave me hope that we were going to be able to net a little higher number. But again, the, the bottom line is we were satisfied to sell it for what we sold it for. And even if we weren't, we, we would probably still own the restaurant. Right. And so, um, you came to terms with it, got to you know uh, an agreement on the purchase price. Um, did you carry any of the financing? We did not. Okay, and then uh, the buyer did an SBA loan. Um, you know, uh, I ended up doing the the loan for him. Um, how did that process go? As far as you uh, being comfortable with him as a buyer, um, you know, it, it, as far as the negotiations went back and forth, how did you feel about that? I would say it was mixed, um, and I would say I had a hope of what type of a buyer um, would buy the restaurant, and uh, so as I mentioned, there was three that um, took a second step. One of them seemed to drop out fairly early. We a after we answered all their questions, um, Todd reached out to them at, at least two or three times to ask if they had any more questions or wanted to submit an offer, and I don't believe they even ever responded to that. So that left us with two. Um, the other potential buyer was only going to be a, a, an absentee owner. That would have been 100% absentee. And, um, you know, I'd be honest and say, I guess if he was going to pay full price, I'd have been happy to sell to him. But I knew that the, the success of the restaurant would really depend on an owner-operator. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that earlier. I would say one thing about this particular business, which the breakfast and lunch, I think that's one thing I've learned through this process. Um, Carolyn was an example of that, the original owner here. Um, uh, Jan was was uh, an example of that. She, she was um, probably at her restaurant, I would say 15 years of the 18 years, she was there on a full-time basis. Um, and one thing that we found at Annie's was that by me only being there a couple days a week, um, the customers and even the staff, it, it, it was just different. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, the customers at a breakfast lunch restaurant, they do like to see the owner. It does matter to them. It makes a difference on where they choose to eat. Mm -hmm. And so this, the buyer that ended up buying the restaurant, again, spent a lot of time convincing me that he would be there um, seven days a week um, for at least the first year to two years to make sure he got to know the staff and, of course, the customers and get the restaurant running, um, you know, uh, the way he wanted it um, to run. And so um, through the early part of the sales process, I would say that that's what convinced me that he could be the right buyer. Great. Yeah. So and then throughout the process, when he was doing due diligence, moving forward with, you know, kind of getting the the process closed, did you have any uh, regrets for listing it? Were you ready to be done with it? A lot of times what I see is uh, sellers, 
that are excited to to make that step and to sell. And then during the process, some of them get a little nervous, start to pull back. Did you have any of that? Not so much from uh, the, the desire to sell the restaurant. That didn't change. But uh, during the sales process, I would say the buyer, uh, our, our, our buyer, uh, ended up um, – uh, becoming a little more, do I use the word aggressive mm-hmm. in in the in the purchase process as far as demanding certain things, um, and I would just say that it seemed to change somewhere in the in the purchase process. It kind of went from this is a really um, this this is going to be a great fit to there was some concern mm-hmm. there was concern whether or not he could be the right guy um, for that particular restaurant. Yeah, and I think uh, going back to something you said about having a, a good broker, um, you know, just from my side and my experience, Todd stepped in and did a great job kind of limiting some of the interaction and um, trying to really take out um, some of the emotion involved in it and and get everybody to a, a place where we could get everything done. And I've told a few people the story, but it was pretty funny with, with Todd. I mean, he called me one day and was like, almost did a full counseling session <laughs> on the deal. And, um, you know, he, he kind of said, hey, Jared, I need you to, like, everybody here to to kind of put aside any, like, personal differences. Let's, let's focus on getting this done. And it was kind of interesting because it gave me a second to also think about, like, okay, I'm – I'm I'm a little frustrated that the guy had insulted me pretty pretty heavily, and uh, you know Todd was really good about getting it across the finish line by getting everyone to to kind of calm down and look at it from a different light. So yeah, yeah, it makes it makes sense to have a a broker with good experience that has the ability to do that. So um, so in the end, got it sold. Um, since uh, once it was done and, and you kind of came back to Carolyn's, have you had any interaction with, with that seller? Do you have any advice for a seller um, on kind of what they would have done differently? You know, we talked about having the non-compete. I'm sure you had a non-compete with him there. We had to kind of figure that out. Obviously, being an hour away kind of makes it a little easier. Yes. You know, what were some things that uh, a seller could take away from your experience? Yeah, good question. I think, um, I, I do think, you know, here's the balance. And again, Todd um, did a great job of continuing to keep that um, balance in front of me. And that is, um, really, is how bad do you want to sell, right? Mm-hmm. How bad do you want to sell? And I would say by that time, um, I would say that we had made the decision to sell. We weren't on the fence any longer. And so, I was willing to put up with maybe a little more um, frustration than um, I would have um, had we just kind of say, well, let's just see what we can get, right? Um, But even having said that is I think just like uh, a seller needs to have a comfort level with with their broker, I do think there needs to be a comfort level with the buyer. You know, Mm. one of the things is I still feel like, you know, part of my heart is still there. Mm. And I want to see the restaurant succeed. I want to see the buyer succeed. I want to see the staff um, fulfilled and enjoying Mm -hmm. their jobs. And some of that has happened and some of that has not. And I think the part that has, that has, that has not worked out well, that, that, that still hurts me. Um, One of our, uh, one of our managers ended up leaving um, not on good terms. Mm. And that just that just that just, it did broke my heart when I when I heard that, and 
I think I could have um, I could have predicted that um, based on my some of my final interactions with the buyer before the transaction ever went through. So we've been in touch. Um, some have just been calls, how you doing? Others have been, hey, um, you know, so- something isn't working. Um, who did you call? Or um, yeah, we put in um, some new flooring within the lab about a year before we sold the restaurant, and one of the one of the tiles was coming loose and he wanted to know, you know, um, about a warranty or, you know, things like that. Others, he's actually called for advice and he's, Mm. he's saying, here's my challenge I'm facing. If you still owned it, what would you do? Um, you know, type thing. So we've we've had a, we we have a good relationship. Good. um, That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, It's great to hear. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a, We've, we've covered a lot. Um, you know, you and I could probably talk for hours about all right, of this. Right. Um, I appreciate all the, the great advice. Um, so what's what's next for you? I know uh, before we started, we were also talking about another business you have. You know, are you going to focus on that, Carolyn's? Right. Are you going to open seven more restaurants? Right. Um, right. You know, are you going to ride off into the sunset and disappear? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things, as I mentioned, you know, my little my little joke about holding up the Medicare card. I still, you know, I'm, I'm 66 now, but I still feel 46, right? So I think that's the good news. Um, so I don't feel like I'm anywhere close to retiring. But one thing that I've changed here at the restaurant is during COVID, uh, well, not sorry, when we got back from COVID, um, having the two locations, we did end up hiring more staff here at Carolyn's. And that allowed me to spend more time at Annie's. So since selling Annie's, we didn't reduce our staff at mm. Carolyn's. So as you mentioned now, uh, or let me say this. Pre-COVID, I was what we would call part of the machine. I would schedule myself as a shift manager for uh, usually two, sometimes three days a week. And I would have to be here. I would be the manager on duty. Mm -hmm. Since COVID, we now have a shift manager every single day that isn't me. And so now I do what you mentioned. I will pop in here three, four, sometimes five days a week. And I'll spend anywhere from literally 10 minutes to, you know, two or three hours. Most of those days, um, most of the days I'll have a meal here. I'll just sit at the counter and sit next to a customer and say hello. And, you know, the other days I'll literally just, you know, not only talk to the staff, but, um, you know, just greet greet customers. But what's next? You know, I think um, uh, for, for me now, an opportunity would really have to fall into our lap. Um, I've told my wife is if we did ever open a second restaurant, and I think Annie's um, kind of cured that itch permanently. <laughs> but if, like, I'll use an example is, and I'm uh, for this area, is we have a Mimi's Cafe located about 10 minutes away um, in San Bernardino, right at the corner of the 10 and, and 215 freeway. If that, and several Mimi's in Southern California uh, have closed, mm-hmm. and uh, most of them have become a different restaurant, some have not. Um, uh, but if that particular one closed, I would be very interested in that location. Number one, it's bigger. Number two, it happens to have a full bar. Um, uh, number three is different than Annie's. It is only 10 minutes away. It's far enough away where we would have a somewhat of a different clientele. We would you know, probably take some of the business from this location if that was also a Carolyn's Cafe. But that's what I'd say. It's close enough to draft off our equity. Um, and so that would be something that, you know, w- would potentially, you know, be of interest if that particular location happened to come available. 
Well, it sounds like you haven't thought about this at all. No, right? not at all, right? <laughs> oh, you know, but man. I think other That's than, great. you know, we, we had had uh, Leon Associates, for whatever reason, is a broker that um, contacts me at least three or four times a year mm-hmm. with different opportunities. And one of the ones, uh, there's a new shopping center, again, about 15 minutes. So the, the Mimi's Cafe is about 10 minutes west of us. There's a brand new shopping center about 15 minutes east of us in the city of Beaumont. And there's a Stater Brothers is the anchor. And they've got typical fast food, Jack in the Box and Jersey Mike's and uh, Arby's and Starbucks and whatever else is in there. And they had one pad that was scoped out but not built yet. And they offered us that pad. And it would have been about 4,500 square feet, uh, 3,000 square feet inside like we have now, plus a 1,500 square foot patio. And um, that was uh, that was enticing. But as I talked to our contractor, he just gave me a rough estimate of a million dollars in 10 improvements. And they would have covered part of that. Right. But I thought, same thing. At 65, 66 years old, we want to go in debt for another million dollars. Right. At Carolyn's, we're debt-free. Um, and so we kind of like the position we're in. So yeah. what would it take? What's next? It would take a, a, a fairly significant opportunity, almost almost just, again, dropped into our lap for for us to maybe recheck in. In the meantime, we'll just continue to pour all of our efforts into Carolyn's. I've got two of our daughters that work here. Great. Um, so right now we're, we're enjoying life a little bit more than we did um, during COVID. So I, maybe you haven't noticed this, but as you've gotten older, you've turned more into your dad. Right, right, right. <laughs> You're starting to find the 95%, oh, yeah. which, which is great. You yeah. know, we, we all end up doing that. I, the other day I, was, I walked by my mirror and I stopped and looked and I, and I had my glasses on and I, oh my gosh, like I saw my dad and I started laughing so hard. And yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to tell him. So yeah. Great. So I am assuming I know the answer to this, but there's two questions I always ask at the end. The first one is, um, do you or did you ever have a mentor? Mm. I did. I did. Um, in the uh, in the 90s, so that's about 30 years ago, I was introduced to a group called Tech, uh, and it was the executive committee, and it was a group of business owners or, uh, or, or senior managers um, and uh, there was a chairperson in this particular one was Jack Dullmeyer. And Jack was a former GE um, senior manager who worked uh, directly for um, Jack Welch. Jack Welch, yeah, yeah directly. Um, and he wow. was a direct report of Jack Welch. Yeah, Th- so, those guys are legends. I'm and, telling yeah. you. And so Jack was so amazingly helpful um, for uh, probably helped me really get my management feet on the ground. And growing up in a family business and a dysfunctional family business, <laughs> um, he was extremely helpful in that. Um, a second one was someone who, and so Jack was uh, probably, um, he was probably 25 years older than I was. A second one is a guy by the name of Joe DeBilio, and Joe was probably 10, 12 years younger than me, but had, uh, I mentioned he was kind of my unofficial consultant, mm-hmm. and Joe was a great sounding board for me over the years. Um, having also grown up in a family business, uh, uh, just knowing the ins and outs and then doing consulting for several different companies over the years, um, both of them one older, one younger was extremely helpful uh, in my um, in my business growth. Yeah, Joe's a great guy. I know Joe as well. So, okay, um, last last question. You've obviously been very very successful. You've done an amazing job here. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, as far as restaurant owners go, probably one of the most profitable restaurants I've I've had my eyes on. Um, and you've done a great job. So, what motivates you? Um. Yeah, that's another really good question. You know, um, um, 
when it comes to the restaurant side, I, I want every single guest to leave here um, with a smile on their face, knowing that they had a great meal and they had great service. Just the satisfaction of improving somebody's life, even if it's just for an hour you know, on a particular, for a particular breakfast. That, that's what I would say is that's just always kind of been my motivator is how can I, how can I make your day better? Even if it's just, again, over one meal. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. So it's a, it's a constant motivator then yeah. because it, you have people coming in and out every day. Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned, I, I just want to throw this in. So uh, uh, I mentioned I have my little side business is called IE Gourmet Food Trucks. And that's the one thing that keeps me motivated on that. Um, we, I grew up in the catering truck business, of course, affectionately known as roach coaches. Yeah. And those were kind of, I don't want to call them a necessary evil, but, you know, people didn't really love the old style catering trucks, but everybody loves food trucks. And so now being a broker for food trucks, when I can, um, when I can connect a food truck with an event and that event comes off successful, um, now my contact person is a hero and I'm their hero. I made their day better and I made their day easier and they made their job easier um, by what I do those that that's what kind of motivates me not only in the IE gourmet food truck side but also on the Carolyn's cafe side yeah and both sides uh, both parties win they do yeah exactly so it yeah. it's got to feel good to to do that it so does. well you know this has been extremely informative um, I always enjoy talking to you I really appreciate your time and you know uh, when you get your next location or if you you know decide to stick on the 95 percent side you know either way i got your back if you need anything ever let me know i appreciate you thank you for listening we hope you found this podcast informative and helpful please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player for more information or if you'd like to discuss a transaction please go to www.jaredwjohnson.com